Okay, good morning. Topic this morning is goals. In our life, we establish goals for ourselves. It's a big part of our quest. To establish order and reason and purpose in our lives. When we do things, we relate them to our goals or we establish goals in relation to our activities. Why are we doing it? There must be a reason. Meditation is no different. We come to the practice of meditation for a reason. We have goals. And while it's true that the practice of meditation doesn't doesn't work well when we're focused on our on, on goals, on results, that's not to say that there aren't goals of the meditation practice or reasons why we practice. Of course, there are. It's just important to understand that as a practice, focusing on your goals is not incredibly helpful. If you don't have a sense of goals or reasons for doing something, it's hard to gain chanda, uh, the interest and appreciation and inclination towards what you're doing. So there's that. And that's a reason for talking about goals and reasons. But if you're focused on the goals while you're practicing, it's very hard for you to be present. It's unlikely you're going to be focused on the actual quality of your practice, the quality of the mind. So rather than having a clear mind that is present and engaged with reality, you're going to be wondering about the future, worried and doubting about whether there's some results going to come. A lot of worry and doubt in meditation can be attributed to goal-seeking or result-oriented thought. The truth is, 
you get results based on work that you put in. And so if your mind is not focused on the present, if you're thinking about what results you're going to get, you'll never get any results because you're not doing any work. On the other hand, if you forget all about the results and focus on the work, at least while you're doing it, of course results will come. Any doubt is just unreasonable. Results always come from anything you do. You just have to f figure out the right thing to do. Nonetheless, it, it gives us encouragement to, to know the results and the, to have goals. And that can support our inclination to practice, as said. So what are the goals, what are the reasons why we practice Satipatthana? The Buddha gave us five reasons, five goals. The first is for purification. We practice meditation for the purification of the mind. we talk about purification in Buddhism or purity, we're always talking about the mind. There's, there's no way to purify the body. Purification of the body really only means abstention from impure thoughts based on impure minds, mind states. Sorry, actions based on impure mind states. and speech based on impure mind states. But the purification of the mind, purity of mind, this is a goal. We take it as our goal to straighten our minds out. So many impure States of mind, and by impure it means states of mind that lead to suffering, that are conflicted, that are weakening, harmful, harmful to oneself, harmful to others, just unbeneficial, useless, harmful. Hmm. Greed, anger, delusion. Everything they bring, conceit, vanity, jealousy, stubbornness, arrogance, hatred, meanness, cruelty, all of these states of mind, addiction, fear, worry, doubt. Lots, lots and lots. All of these are considered impurities, states of mind. For 
really this is the most important one. This is the work. If you focus on this, then you don't have to worry about results. If you identify all the problems, and in the practice of satipatthana, you come to identify them as problems, in the sense of just seeing how problematic they are. That's it. That's all you need to do. You don't actually have to fix them. Seeing them is enough, and seeing them so clearly that they did, that they weaken and disappear by themselves. Why? Because of the disinclination to cultivate them. Of course, if you see something as unbeneficial, as harmful, if you see it clearly, you won't cultivate it. We don't realize that that's all it takes. That these things that we rail against and worry about and are upset by are dependent on our ignorance to thrive. That we just don't understand them. That if we just spent some time looking at them there's no way we would incline towards them. Instead we try to sometimes stop ourselves or prevent ourselves to repress our, our emotions and so on. Which is really a futile exercise and leads to more stress and disappointment. Mindfulness allows us a way to look at and be with our, our emotions without being overwhelmed by them. So the purification of mind, this is a great goal. The second goal, and they're all related, they're all really one and the same in the end, but the second aspect of it is for overcoming mental illness. Mental illness is the way we describe it in the West. It's, it's really any kind of mental upset or turmoil. Because that's what the impurities in the mind bring. They bring turmoil. They form into habits and those habits overwhelm us and keep us from being happy. So all kinds of depression and anxiety and Addiction, obsession, they're all just habits. Habits based on ignorance that are rooted in impurities of mind, states of mind that are causing us harm. And so it's not to trivialize mental illness. What we call mental illness in modern society is generally acute versions of all of these things and for some people it's related to the way their brain works because of the brain's weakness in providing pleasurable stimuli and you know, therefore leading to addiction, leading to aversion, leading to depression so in Buddhism we don't focus on Happiness, happy mind states, because we're—it's—you have to recognize not everyone can experience the same sorts of happiness. If we praised happy states, some people would always feel disappointed, and often do. 
in meditation feel disappointed because they can't feel happy or even calm. We can't guarantee that, not, not all the time, not immediately, of course. But that's not the goal. The goal is to free ourselves from the, the, the illness part. Free ourselves from the bad habits and the states that are causing us suffering. Whatever else comes, be it peace or happiness or joy, is not, it's not predictable. What's predictable is that you'll be free from suffering, that you'll be at peace. That at least we can, we can predict. But you have to face, mindfulness is about facing these mental illnesses and bad habits. Learning to react to them and interact with them differently without judgment or without encouraging them. The third goal is to free ourselves from physical and mental suffering. Which of course comes part and parcel with all of the mental illness and impurity. There's physical suffering and there's mental suffering. Mental suffering is bound up in the defilements and the, the mental turmoil. For physical suffering, physical suffering we sometimes become discouraged by when we're not able to experience peace and 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 pleasure. We're not able to enjoy the meditation. So often we spend an inordinate amount of energy trying to be happy, trying to have a pleasurable and peaceful and enjoyable meditation session. But this doesn't emulate life. Life is unpredictable and often unpleasant. And so if we really want to learn and understand, really the point is we can't escape physical suffering. We have to be able to separate mental and physical suffering out. And so while during meditation we can we can see progress towards freedom from mental suffering, which is all the reactions to our experiences, the disliking, the upset, and so on. And the physical suffering, which we can't really do much about. So when we talk about freeing ourselves from suffering, both physical and mental, the first stage is the mental. The first stage is to not suffer from the physical suffering. And that's the challenge. But like everything, physical suffering is an experience. And rather than react to it or judge it or suffer from it, we can come to see it just as it is. And if we can come to see it just as pain,
we've come to see it clearly. This is what we've gained uh, vipassana. We've come to see clearly. The fourth goal is to find the right path. So path is another, it's an aspect of a goal, but it's like a goal, but a little bit more general. How are we going to live our lives? What, what path should we be on? Right? Related to goals, but also related to our identity. It's a big part of establishing a framework for our reality what path am I on? what is my path? it often relates to views and it often relates to goals where am I going? if I'm going there I have to get on this path relating to views is I believe this so I'm going I'm doing this I live my life by this or that. In Buddhism, the path is is a goal in itself. I think that's an important point. It's not so much about trying to get somewhere as it is about a manner of travel. We're very much actions or active events. We're much less static entities than we are dynamic, changing events. And so our way of life is a path. It's not static. We are always going somewhere. And so Buddhism focuses much more on the quality of our interactions with samsara than it does on which interactions we choose or how we, uh, how we decide what to do in our lives and so on. Direction comes from the clarity and the quality of the mind. We, we read about the Eightfold Noble Path, which is really the ultimate Buddhist guide to life. And this is what we aim for. Ultimately, the Eightfold Noble Path is just the final moment where we are perfect, where our minds are in, in a perfect state that allows us to see things perfectly and ignite this spark that frees us from suffering. The final goal is this freedom from suffering, the spark. So we talked already about freedom from suffering, but it's more of that's more of a general sense of relating to suffering. Nibbana, we we define as freedom from suffering, but nibbana or nirvana, 
It's something a little more than that. It's the cessation. It's an experience of cessation. Without any reference to experience whatsoever. It's an experience that it's undescribable. It's not at all. It's nothing like an arisen experience of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling, or even thinking, even cognizing, even remembering. It's not even something you can remember, which makes it hard to understand. But a person who experiences it understands that it's freedom. They understand because they have the experience of it. Not as a memory, not as a perception, not as a, an idea, but as a part of their reality. Nibbana is something that changes a person, changes their perspective. It opens up a new door, an alternative to samsara an alternative to suffering. And it's the true goal because it has a a, a stable, a secure result. Secure and stable state of of mind that is a result of result of its experience. So many goals. Ultimately all relating as you can see to suffering, the cause of suffering, the cessation of suffering and the path leading to the cessation of suffering. It's a good indication of where the focus of Buddhism is and how Buddhism focuses on the Four Noble Truths. So reasons for practicing goals to keep in mind. That's the Dhamma for this morning. Thank you all for listening.